With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome back to Once Upon a Timing, your podcast all about surprise fiancés, surprise creatures, and a lingering question that has not left my mind since I watched this episode. Abby, did Emma bone a monkey? Oh no, I didn't even think of that. She 100% boned a monkey. 100% boned a monkey. It's a thought it has not escaped me, and, and it's like, the episode, it's mixed for me, but this is the one thing that, like, this is the lasting impression, is the question, did Emma bone a monkey? I can't stop, Abby. I can't stop. I, I, it almost has to, it, just, like, almost has to be yes. Mm. Almost has to be. I Well, he threw out the old food in her fridge, so he's definitely stayed the night. An, an, yeah, he's definitely been around enough to be in the home when she's not watching him. Like, if he's just, like, milling around the fridge, he's very comfortable. So, Emma yeah, 100%. Monkey. Yeah. I, I'm just imagining him now. I know they didn't give her, like, I kind of wish they would have given her, like, more time is this, like, weird memory loss. Because she also didn't have, like, any girlfriends. I kind of wish she had, like, like, cutaway scenes to, like, her at brunch having mimosas. You know, ladies do brunch. Uh, and just being like, yeah, it's great with him. It's like wild monkey sex. <laughs> oh, no. You're like, wow, that's so great. You never find a guy like that. That's amazing. Marry him. Yay. <laughs> well, everyone, I am Beth Elderkin. And I'm joined as always by the lovely Abby. Abby, how are you doing? This is such a great way to just, just a wild monkey sex before we even introduce ourselves. This this whole episode, I'm very excited to talk about. We've just a very strong start. I'm so excited. Yes, guys, we are talking about season three, episode 12, New York City Serenade, which I believe is in uh, after a Bruce Springsteen song. Sure. I think. Uh, but of course, you know, we do have some really fun international titles with this one because I think like New York City Serenade is a very, is, is kind of a, it's, it's, it's an American phrase. It's not exactly going to oh. hit. Oh, you mean the Springsteen title didn't, didn't hit in Germany? No, it did not. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, so we've got in Italian, we have follow your instinct. All right. Uh, Finnish has dream in New York, which seems kind of similar. Uh, French has a pirate in the city. Ooh, oh, okay. I like that because it sounds like a Harlequin romance novel. It does, and it also is like Sex in the City. We've got Hook. You know, he's he's the ladies who brunch. Like he's the one who should have had the girlfriends in New York being like, "I'm trying to wake her up, you guys, and it's just not working." And they're all drinking mimosas, but he's just drinking a, just a handle of rum. Like yeah. <laughs> And then, of course, in German, we have Grün ist der neue Schwarz, which is green is the new black. I listen. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I I like the alternate title so much. That's OK. But that's also like a great. I mean, unfortunately, that kind of it doesn't bury the lead. What's the opposite of burying the lead? teases I out like the lead i or? get well they're they're i mean they kind of because they they tease out the whole episode what's gonna happen and they like give hints of green which is one of my favorite little through lines is like you and i knew what was coming unfortunately because yeah. we've already watched it but when you're not watching it you have no idea what's coming at the end of this i think you could probably get some hints when you see flying monkeys start appearing but there's always just hints of green 
Like yeah. you see it in the skyline, you see it with the magic and stuff, and they're just like, who could this possibly be? So when you say that, then that's like, if you would know the title up top, you would know to look for it. So I do like that title, I do, but I do think it's probably one of on the lower tier of the German scales because it's it's tipping tipping the tipping too much toward tipping the cards. There's what I'm looking for. You're tipping your cards too much. It is interesting you mentioned the monkeys because the original concept art was going to have them be gargoyles, but they decided to make them flying monkeys to tie in more with the whole uh, Wizard of Oz theme, which is because, guys, this is the episode where we finally meet Rebecca Mater as Zelina, who is going to be a key figure in the rest of the series. And she's a welcome addition. I love her. I feel bad for her having to wear this makeup all the time because it looks really, really uncomfortable. It looks like it's constantly melting off her face in the in the lights of the show. Uh, it's just, it's like they didn't get the right kind of makeup. Mm-hmm. It's probably like why Robert Carlyle hated his makeup too. Like I, I, I would assume that that's just like any kind of full face in a sitcom level. Well, it's not really a sitcom, but like TV lighting, it just has to be a nightmare. Um, but no, I love her, and and I know this is from the cursed season of the last season, that which we will not talk about. But I just sort of like, yay, my favorite Soul Cycle instructor is back, yay! Oh right, oh yes, oh <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> and yes, this was uh the the first time that Once Upon a Time had split its show into two half seasons. Um, partially because season two just kind of droned on. And also because by the end of Neverland, people were done. Like there was a huge backlash to Neverland. And I don't blame them. Like watching it in hindsight, there are things that really work about it. But as we kind of had remarked in our last episode, it it does meander a lot. Like they had a great premise and a great backstory for Peter Pan and they just, they didn't know what to do with it. So they did nothing. Yeah. And I think, I think circumstances of the show itself, of the care of the cast itself probably also flux with that because obviously we've talked about this in every episode, Jennifer Goodwin, very clearly pregnant. Um, and it was, well, how do we, we can't keep her in the big coats. Like we've got to do something with it. So we do this big year jump, but also there's a reason they don't have Henry talking a lot. And it's because Henry's voice has fully stopped being a child's voice. And much like the, like the last couple of seasons, you don't realize it until you see Emma's back, like flashback and you see original, like the original episode, the first episode with Henry at her door. And you're like, that is a baby. That is an embryo. Like that is the tiniest child. How is he walking? How did he get here by himself? He took a bus all the way to Boston. Someone protected the child. I, he just looks so tiny in his big old cheeks. But now he like his voice is his he's dropped about an, not a whole octave maybe, but like definitely settled in a little bit. He he's clearly gained about a foot in height. So he's he's in that transition. So I think that splitting it up and also just cash choices and stuff, and also just not being in Storybrook. So I'm wondering if they knew that it was going to be the forever cadence for the, the like the next couple of seasons would be like half and half or if they did this out of creativity need you know what i mean yeah i i, I don't know i think that it could yeah. be column a column b maybe they did it because they w- wanted to get out of neverland and they wanted to do this time jump for jennifer goodwin and for um and for henry i always forget, <laughs> forget the poor actor's name um and also just because it kind of made sense. And, and and people really responded to this. This actually, this episode had one million more viewers than the previous one. Like, it, yeah. it was like one of the biggest viewership jumps the show ever had. Yeah, we do talk a lot about how, like, Frozen was the first, like, toe dip into, like... I don't remember what we called it. I don't think we called it selling out, but like really the big cash grab. But like, I think this was their like soft shoe into cash grab because mm-hmm. I mean, her first line is j- just making sure, you know, this is the wicked witch of the West. And we're going to talk about wicked. I mean, just short of, I wish that I wish that Walsh, the flying monkey that Emma 100% had sex with um, his name. Oh no. What's the little, um, Oh no. I now I'm not, I'm not remembering anything about wicked again. Uh, the 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 little munchkin that that marries the wicked witch of the east. <sighs> What's his name in the story? 
I don't uh, know. Cause he wants to date. He wants to date Glinda. Oh no. Bick. Bach. Now I'm doing what Glinda did. I have no idea what his name is. I Bach. have not Bick. seen or read Wicked. Actually, I've never seen it. The books are hysterical, by the way. 10 out of 10. Uh, not 10 out of 10 because they're amazing pieces of fiction, but because they are genuinely fan fiction. And for me, I'm like, I could just write stuff like this, become a millionaire. Amazing. Uh, Walsh was actually named after, I believe, an actor who played a lead flying monkey in um, okay. in, in, in Wizard of Oz. And without giving anything away, Abby, because I, did, I mm. did a little reading ahead because I was curious. Because everyone was freaking out that Christopher Gorham, who was on Ugly Betty, was playing a character on Once Upon a Time. Um, it's not the last we see of him. Ooh, okay. That's all I'm going to say. Well, I mean, doesn't he just kind of like poof away? Like, it's not like he... There's there's more to his story than you might know. That's all I'm going to say. Well, guys, let's go ahead and dive into this episode. We are going to go back into the Enchanted Forest one year ago, right when Regina enacted her, 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 she, she did the control all delete. She got rid of the file. She's having a clean slate. She wiped the hard drive and sent them all back to the Enchanted Forest with, to Prince Philip and a pregnant Princess Aurora, who, like, I I had to laugh because the giant purple cloud is coming and it took them way too long to recognize that it was a magic cloud. And they're like, we must seek shelter in the open gazebo. And they didn't even make it far enough to get into the open air gazebo. Well, because Beth, she was pregnant and hungry and grumpy. So crazy. (laughs) Why were you having lunch in a gazebo in the middle of nowhere? I have a thousand questions. Um... But yes, uh, I and I pointed this out to you, but I watched I, I didn't tell you why I knew this, but I watched Bride Wars yesterday. Oh, I need something on. I was cleaning my house. I need something on. And that's one of those. I have a weird bond to that movie because of a friend of mine that like when that movie came out, we watched it. And it's just a certain ring of nostalgia for me. So I put the movie on the it's like the brother of the one is the guy that plays Philip. And I was watching like he kept coming on the screen and I would just stop and doing what I was doing, like handful of toys that I'm cleaning up off the floor. And I'm just standing, I'm like, who is this guy? Who is this guy? Like I'm looking it up. Once upon a time does not show up on his rap sheet unless you like actively look for it. So like when you pull him up on like Google and stuff, it'll be like what he's known for all this stuff. Once upon a time never comes up. You have to look specifically at his wiki page and go through the filmography and stuff. Uh, but that's how I also found out that he and the woman who plays Mulan are married and procreating just had twins. Um, that is wild and breaks all the canon of Once Upon a Time. Alternate universe. Yeah, that that's an it's an A. But but in my mind, uh, Aurora is also involved, and they have a lovely triune marriage, and they're 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 doing great. They're super oh, yeah. happy and all in love. Love it. But in the meantime, we've got our wonderful heroes from the Enchanted Forest have returned. For the most part, in their original costumes, to the point where Charming's shirt is all bloody. I love his bloody shirt. And his leather pants, Beth, the leather pants. I'm curious why he didn't, his wound wasn't back. Because the whole point was he bled because he had been stabbed. And if they're being returned as if no time has passed, why is his wound closed? I don't, I don't know, but also didn't Jiminy speak normally, like as a cricket? He did and he didn't. It was, it was, it was like his choice. He could, if he wanted to, he could also speak cricket when he wanted to. So, and, and they might've just not had the actor that day. But also again, Snow is in her full cloak. She is not in like the birthing attire because could you okay so how much you you've given birth you know how much would that have sucked if you're wondering why charming didn't have his wounds could you imagine she's come back to this land and suddenly she now needs to wear the mesh underwear diaper thing because her uterus is falling out (laughs) oh to see and i had a c-section i had had different experiences that's still but that still happens but yeah All but of like everything inside of you still needs to leave yep the the <laughs> oh my god post birth snow 
this was all choices. Uh, but everyone else is back in their original looks. We've got the dwarves. We've got Jiminy Cricket. We've got the queen who I love Regina in this whole episode because like some of the characters are like kind of settling in their roles more than others. Regina has already found the perfect blend of both. She's keeping the mayor. She's keeping the changed woman who has changed through her love for Henry. And she's like, I can bring back just enough of the bitchy evil queen to just be a bitch. And I love it. I love, I love everything about her styling. uh, And just because they eventually change, right? They change into like riding gear and stuff. And they all look very uh, like they're back in the enchanted forest, which I loved. I loved all of the costumes. They were fantastic. Uh, Neil just, amazing in this one it was like again every once in a while i get okay i get it i get it i absolutely got it in this Mm -hmm. episode i'm like all right okay uh but like i love charming with his big fur i love that um and i just like that snow just kind of had like long messy hair did her thing and then there's regina she's got her chunky jewelry on she's got her big quaff that's coming forward she's like i guess i'll camp in the woods (laughs) (laughs) the The one thing I will say, though, is it I got annoyed with Charming really quickly in this episode because this is a this is a man, one of many people who, yes, he he grew he grew up in the Enchanted Forest. He grew up as the prince Well, he was the shepherd and then he masqueraded as the prince. But he spent many years, decades, in the modern world with cell phones and TVs and electricity. It almost felt like he was, like, back on a deserted island and, like, I'm in charge now. Like, he he felt way too eager to be back in this land. To, to the point where I felt like he was being really annoying to everyone else. Like, the moment he sees Aurora and Philip, he's like, we need horses, to ride back to our castle. Thank you for your kind hospitality. Like it almost felt like he was like cosplaying a bit. It was. I, it's hard to describe. Beth, I can describe it one hundred percent to you um, because clearly you never had a dad who would take you camping and suddenly come alive. Like it's <laughs> there is a there is a certain level, and this is not just a dad thing, but I experienced it as kind of a dad thing of let's go camping suddenly. We're just Paul Bunyan. Like, we're back to our roots. Like, it's that energy of just being, I can smell the forest. I'm going to go chop down a tree. Uh, it's just, it's just like, it's a, it's a, <laughs> just dad in charge of vacation situation. Because um, they did kind of like, they didn't get, I think they dipped their toe in it a little bit. But they do get a little bit of um, dealing with being the rulers and talking about their people because at no point do they talk about anybody individually. They talk about their people, which is how they should be speaking. They shouldn't be worrying about person A and person B. And that is a, okay, more people are showing up. We need to get them in here. And also we should be bringing Regina with us as a united front, as a cause. Cool. Royalty. Like we're, we're dealing with royalty stuff. Like you live in a castle, you take care of people. They did that for one scene and then we stopped doing it. (laughs) Well, cause the flying monkeys have to show up. Oh, yeah, and we also have to bury our hearts in a shallow grave in the woods. <laughs> uh, with a knife? With a, with knife. a knife? It's it's bad plan. <laughs> uh, and then we, I also want to give props to two things. One, when they all show up in the Enchanted Forest, Red's there, and then she's not in the rest of the episode. So the one thing that bothered me the most is the fact that they kind of appeared out in an open field together. For the most part. And then they all sort of converged in plain view of each other. And this definitely becomes apparent like when Robin's there and like Belle is definitely behind him, but then announces herself like she wasn't behind him the whole time. Like, it's just like everybody can only see in front of them because they did that whole scene with Balefire and Charming and they look at them from every angle. At no point is Belle anywhere near them. And then later Belle's like, I overheard your conversation. Bitch, where? Where were you? (laughs) Were you with Red somewhere? Were you far away? Did Red hear it with her wolf ears and tell you and then you ran closer? I have questions. Yeah, and then the other question is like, well, it's more just a a happy a happy accident coincidence. It's like every character who's not in this episode who we didn't want to pay for or is busy on other projects, they're in a field over there. 
Like, Gr- Jiminy tells Grumpy and Grumpy tells Charming. All the people we're not seeing, it's fine. They're all here. They're just in a field over there. So yeah. just trust me. And it, and they keep making it sound like, good, all of our people are coming back. Storybrooke had six other people in it. Like, like where... Are you expecting tens of thousands of people to just drop in here? Because Storybrooke was not a bustling city by any means. Well, it was bustling in season one when we had the budget. Well, there's that. I wish they would have done like, been like, you just walk by and then quick change into a different outfit and then walk by the screen again and then quick change and then keep walking. It's just like the same girl just walking through town and doing quick changes SNL style. All right, well, they start heading back to the castle. As Abby had said, they are coming together as a united front. But something's going on with the queen. She's got some things happening. And in terms of the thing that's happening is she wants to bury her heart in the woods because she doesn't want to feel things anymore. I had mixed feelings about how Snow handled the situation. I think she was trying her best. But I also feel like telling a woman who's grieving the loss of her son you'll love again in that it's not the right time for that. No, um, don't ever tell anybody this. Yes. <laughs> don't, that's not something to say. Don't say it's fine. They're in a bit, they're allowed, you're allowed to grieve. You're allowed to be upset. It is, and it is a grief that shouldn't go away. You just has, what's the wording for it? It's just, you learn to carry it. Um, you have to go through that. Like Regina is trying to stop gap the, the grieving process. And snow is just like, that's dumb. Don't do that. I, I agree with the concept of this scene. I disagree with the execution of it. Um, starting with the knife to bury the heart, uh, not <laughs> not ending with uh, the way Snow handles it. Um, Agreed. Yeah. And then the other thing I don't like about it is how it's a direct through line to Robin Hood coming back into the scene, coming back into the show and our lives because they've made it very clear that Robin Hood is is Regina's love interest. This is not to say they don't have chemistry, because they do. And I like them together. But to be fair, Sean McGuire has chemistry with everybody, so it's not surprising. And also, Regina has chemistry with everybody. These are just (laughs) two very attractive people who can have chemistry with other people. But having this through line of, I've lost my son, you'll find love again, here's a hunky dude, I don't like it. And it's not the right time for it. She needs time to mourn the loss of her son. But then again, is she going to need that much time? Because they're already back in Storybrooke. Yeah, I have a whole opinion about that. Um, But I do think that there's a way you could have handled that of being like, you can't bury your heart in the woods in a shallow grave. A creature will eat it and you'll die. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But also, like, there's a way to... I'm just coming to me as we're talking about it but it's more of like what your argument would be was not you'll love again because the love you have for a child versus the love you have for a hunky dude two different kinds of love i hope um but the the opposite is you can't let go of your heart your heart you need your heart you need to be able to feel things and keep yourself open to other experiences like talk about it like that just be like hold him in your heart and be but you can't hold him in your heart if your heart's in the woods being eaten by a, a raccoon or a flying monkey who's hungry. Um, maybe so, the, yeah. So that's, yeah. Maybe the dark boar will eat it and gain even more power. Uh, he's he's gained more power. He's Don't a, stop a, a, a dark boar with fireball powers. <laughs> well, a flying monkey attacks our wonderful heroines, but they are saved by Robin Hood and his merry men, who and, who, and they all head to the castle. Uh, but unfortunately, there is a spell that is blocking them from entering said castle, and they are determined now to figure out what it is. Regina's like, I need my castle. I also want to point out the line that she says where she's like, uh, I'm not afraid of monsters. They should be afraid of me is like apparently like one of the show's like their favorite lines like of the whole show. And I, I don't it's it's a fine line. But of course, Lana Perilla makes it an incredible line it's such a like it's got that like watchman lines like i'm not trapped in here with you you're all trapped in here with me like it it only works on delivery you know what i mean like when other people and it's just why they always want to give these like awesome power lines to regina 
but sometimes, and we'll come up with this later, sometimes Regina's power lines just don't land. Lana can't make them because they're terrible. Um, and I'm not remembering what the clock tower one is. She's like in the clock tower and like something happens and she yells something and you're like, oh no, that was bad. Um, but I also like her three little, uh, or her Goldilocks thing. She's like, someone is in there eating my porridge. I don't like people sitting in my rocking chair or sleeping in my bed. I will find them and I will skin them. It's like, well, you heard a different version of that story than the rest of us. I mean, she might've heard the OG one because fairy tales have a gnarly past and if anyone would know the true origins it is regina but the woman at the center of it all is not a fairy tale character at least not one that we would traditionally associate with the traditional european fairy tales instead it's the green-skinned witch the wicked one of the west who collects regina's blood from a monkey to put into a potion and then uh, remarks in front of the mirror that Wicked always wins. And I want to make a note here. This potion thing never comes back into the show. Excellent. <laughs> they never they never explain it. And there was an interview where the showrunners were like, I, I thought we explained it, but apparently we didn't. Fantastic. Like, now nah, it was in a deleted scene where we had a very, you know, we explained the chemistry of the thing. Oh, we had to cut that for time, though. So, oh. So, I don't know. I love this character introduction. She looks amazing because mm. I've always, Zelina's outfits always look amazing because it's just, they're always shaped in this amazing, marvelous way. Her big hats always make me happy. Um, her face makeup didn't look quite as bad, but like when they zoomed in on her hands on the vial, it was just like all of this is melting off of your hands right now. Yeah, what is happening? Um, yeah, I her, also her figure is va va boom, va va boom. Uh, I want to know. I don't know. I've always kind of had a problem with the red lipstick choice. Mm. I don't know why. I just think it's not the right. Like, there's like a color theory problem that I don't know enough about color theory to answer. Uh, but I just feel like the red does not work for the shade of green that she is. Does that make sense? It it does. I completely agree. Not because it's a bad color on her. I think the issue that you might be seeing that I that I totally see as well is the lighting that they have to do for this green so that it shows up properly with the green blue screen situation they got going on. It clashes with the undertones of that red. Yeah. So like the the specific tones they have to do in order to get her lit properly for the for the blue screen is is making the the red come out in a very orangey weird way. Like I feel like they should have done like a purple. Like a purple violet would have really stood out and and or I at feel least having yeah or at least having an undertone of that in the reds enough mm -hmm. for it to pick up a little bit more so i yeah. was also thinking purple mm -hmm. uh, but i also love me some purple lipstick so mm. well let's go ahead and head to new york city the most popular vancouver spot in the world yay <laughs> everything uh, in this is vancouver even the park we we never actually set foot in New York City in this episode, which is fine. Just, you know. Of course not. We couldn't do that. What did we get? No, 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 no. So we, we cut to Emma going on a date with a boy. And they have a little... Apparently she's still a Bonds person. Making bank, by the way, the... Uh, the apartment she has with Henry, she is making killer money to be raising a kid, having that apartment, and be a bounty hunter, basically. Yeah, I mean, it, it technically, it's like an open... It's like kind of... It's It's has an open kitchen living room dining room combo thing but there's still a lot of space in there as somebody who lived in new york and had something smaller than that for like 2500 a month and i wasn't even in manhattan i was deep in brooklyn i can't even imagine how much this thing with, would have cost right with a with a fellow adult who also made money and not a child <laughs> so it's just like Ugh, oh yeah we had money. double income i do yeah. like how the first shot we get of her is her walking in those giant pumps because those were what she wore in the pilot episode she had a very similar outfit so i think yeah. they were kind of trying to trick us into thinking oh she's she's getting another mark this guy at the restaurant is another mark but no i would tell she's I, the mark i will never get over emma's shoe choices <laughs> ever like these heels because then and we'll cut to like after this date 
she like walks back to her apartment and then in and is still wearing the shoes. So theoretically she walked a minimum of a mile in these shoes and is just like, it's fine. I'm going to go play games with myself. Anyway, doesn't matter. These are the highest heel shoes I've ever seen in my life. Wild. So she meets with this guy, not my type, but he's cutie. And he's just like, ah, it's so great. Everything's fine. They banter back and forth. Basically they met like eight months ago. Um, whirlwind romance whirl, whirlwind romance uh basically he makes furniture apparently he uh <laughs> i was like why did you think that i made that end table free so fast your commitment to excellence i don't know why that made me laugh so hard but it definitely did basically he proposes to her um with a dessert she's like i don't want it he's like can you just look at it i love that she didn't even look at it she's like Ugh. but because between the ring showing up and that hook sits down uh and i love that at no point does hook try to blend in with society nope he just full-on the only thing he does is he replaces the hook with a fake hand that is so obviously fake too he's just like it's it's a fake hand fake hand it's my fake hand um but he but still like an absolute plunging neckline and if that wasn't enough, Beth, to make sure you know that his chesticles are out, he is wearing a long necklace that sits right between his pecs. Like, it's just like, hey, check it, check it out, check it out, check it out, check it out, my chest. I'm in open air. Hello, what's happening? I, I do um, love how later on uh, Henry makes fun of his outfit and then Hook gets yeah. really upset about it. He's like, what? What are you wearing? <laughs> <laughs> You're a dork. <laughs> What are you, like, 11? Nerd. Live with your mom? Great. Um, But he's just like, listen, uh, here's a thing. Uh, If you, you know, go here, you'll remember. And if you believe, come meet me at the park, at Central Park. Because you got to remember that he's in New York. So we got to remember. So we got to point out a thing. Meet me at Central Park. um, And we'll talk about it later. And then he skedaddles. So then Walsh comes out. His name was Walsh. Walsh comes out, proposes, and... She basically is just like, oh, no. She's like acting weird, obviously, because her stalker has shown up. And she's like, I don't know. I'll just any time to think about it. And he's like, I will wait for you forever. Like this, this, I don't know how this didn't set off every single alarm bell in Emma's head because he's like, I don't care when we get married. It doesn't have to be soon. I'm proposing eight months in, but we could stay engaged until we're 65 as long as we're together. Let's be together. <laughs> Emma, well, no. And the, well, the first thing he says is like, we don't have to get married right away. We can wait a year. Like, Walsh, do you know how long it takes to plan weddings? Minimum a year. If Minimum. you're doing a small one. Yeah, you're trying to get married in New York City? Cool. Yeah, you're getting married in two years. Yeah. Nice. Um, do you have any idea how long it takes to book a DJ in this town? A good one. Um. Yeah, so she goes home in her giant performance heels and goes and sits down next to Henry. And Henry, I love Henry's giant glass of Coke that he's drinking. He's just like, because you got to make sure we know he is he's a kid who's having a normal life. He's playing Diablo. He's drinking Coca-Cola. Uh, and she's like, oh, any room for a level five wizard? And he's like, I'm on level 23. I try to keep up. Okay. And uh, he knows everything about the engagement because he, he is more perceptive, apparently, than Emma. And it's like, they have this very interesting conversation about what they remember about their backstory. Yeah. It's like, you know, your birth father, he, like, abandoned me in, in jail. And then, you know, we don't need him. But we're, like, yada, yada, yaing over how, we, how long you were in jail until you got your kid and what Henry did while he waited for you. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh basically he keeps saying, you know, go with your gut. You know, you need to go with your gut. You know, it would be great to have him. Henry's all for this union. He just wants to be a ring bearer. He's like, listen, I can only be a ring bearer for like one more year tops. And then I'm going to get a growth spurt. It's going to be weird. Let's go. I did like this conversation between the two of them. And I did like the dynamic that had been established from their relationship. Uh, yes. I know it's, you know, partially because of the memories that Regina gave them, but the path forward was their own and the relationship they created was their own. And it felt authentic. It felt genuine that, you know, 
yeah, she's her, she's his mother and he's her son, but they have a kind of like an equal partnership almost where it's been the two of them. So she values his opinion just as much as her own and treats him like an equal. And they have an honest conversation about, you know, bringing another man into their lives. She's not belittling him. She's not, you know, questioning him. She's not treating him like a child. She's treating him like the most important thing in her life. And um, yeah. yeah. And this is the emotionally. other. Emotionally. Yes. And and there's another person who could come in, but you are first and let's talk about it. And so, I mean, did it sometimes feel like maybe he was a second adult? Kind of. Yes. But I know sometimes with single parent relationships, that dynamic can happen. Well, and also like, especially with, with Henry's age and a, in a single parent dynamic, mm-hmm. I mean, y- y- they're asked to take on a little bit more responsibility. Yeah. Uh, they need to do a little bit more for themselves. They get a little bit more independent. Um, and so it's, it's you know, if you want to continue having a bond with them, you don't treat them like a little kid that can't do anything because they're helping carry the load a little bit. Um in hopefully a healthy way, hopefully a healthy way, uh, which seems to be what's going on with Henry. She still makes him breakfast. It's not like he's making breakfast for himself. He even kind of complained like the next day where he's like, you kind of woke up late. I'm hungry. <laughs> Where's my food? Like they still have a parent dynamic. Like he is still a child, but like emotionally he's part of the decisions of being like, this is our family. I'm not going to bring some dude into it just because I think he's pretty. Um, and clearly they introduced him and just... I, I do like this dynamic, um, but you're right. It does kind of start saddling a little close to a TV trope I don't particularly like. We'll call it the Gilmore Girls effect, where it's just like, we're best friends. I'm not your mom, unless I have to be. And in which case, it's a really awkward episode and no one likes it. Um, anyway, so she's like, okay, well, I'm, first I'm going to go investigate this strange place, this man with the... The very clear fake hand told me to go to. So she goes and she finds Neil's apartment. Uh, there's a bunch of mail sitting inside. She looks through it. She picks up the dream catcher, looks at it. You know, it's a fly trap for bad thoughts or dreams or whatever she says. Uh, and then finds a camera that has Henry's name inscribed on the back, which I thought was a nice uh, throwback. I liked this. I liked this. This. I like this. Yeah, and it's actually a reference to uh it, it's 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 a clear follow through from an earlier episode because in the earlier episode when they go to New York, he has the camera, he looks he he you know, he's using it. And then they have a throwaway line later on in the episode where he wants to go back to the apartment to get his camera, and when they go, that's when Hook stabs Rumple in the And uh, that is from And that's last season. Yeah. So that's amazing for me. Like, I love season to season through lines of little things. Like, this stuff, I like these little drops. This was planned ahead. This is when they were still planning ahead. So I love this. And then, like, she obviously freaks out. She's like, there's a camera with my son's name inscribed on it from this drop or this just deadbeat dad who I don't want care about. But I secretly kind of am harboring little lovey feelings for Arr, anger. So she goes to the park to meet Hook. Takes a camera. Goes to the park to meet Hook. Hook's like, all you have to do, drink this vial. And she's like, I'm not going to drink that. Like, I was going to be so mad if she drank that there at the park. So angry. She doesn't. She instead handcuffs Hook to a bench and has him arrested for assaulting her. Girl boss move. Love this. Love this for her. Uh, This was great. Because this is what she was supposed to do. Uh, Because he's just like, yeah, no, you take this, you'll remember. And she doesn't have enough to go on to trust him to do that. But then she does the next best girl boss move. She develops the pictures in the camera and sees a bunch of stuff she does not care for. Because, look, it's pictures of me and my son at a place we've never gone to. All of these things, memories that I don't have. Not these, this airport photo, this whatever else he saw, she saw in those photos, she's mad about. Because she just, just no memory of these things. Which is exactly what the strange man with the fake hand that she just got arrested said. Yes. So she springs him out of jail. The brig. So much. I love this scene so much. It's a the, my favorite part about this is it has a definite like defund the police situation where it's like I've been in a lot of brigs, but that was the worst. But then they like couch it by being like they force fed me baloney. Um, 
It's like the prison system needs to be <laughs> like. <laughs> but I do also love that he's like they let him keep all of his stuff. Like at no point was he like, "Where'd the vial go? They stole it." Um, but yeah, she breaks him out. She she bails him out. And he, yeah, and she tells she shows him the photos, and she's like, "How the hell did this happened? I've never been here." And he says, "Drink the potion. It's gonna restore all your memories." Now. I have a question for you with this, Abby, because this episode as a whole got pretty positive responses. I think people were very eager to be out of Neverland and they were eager for a fresh start. And Emma got a fresh start. What are your thoughts on this whole part where in the first episode of the second half of season three, the amnesia is gone from a magic potion that oh, that she drinks, remembers everything, and 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 then it's like she never left. Because I didn't like this. I this seemed like a three episode arc that they took care of in a, in a half an episode. Yes, there was not enough of this. I think that we could have. I think we could have set up a big bad villain, and we could have set up. Uh, the year gone by uh, in Storybrooke, what's going on there, while also Emma is... I I would have preferred for Emma's brain to break the spell. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, for her to have outsmarted it. Because that was all of what season one was happening. Everyone was kind of just going back to their baseline. Like, the curse couldn't hold them to these storylines. They Once they were jump-started a little by Emma being there... Mary Margaret stopped being a sad, lonely teacher and started kind of paving her own way and doing what she wanted. And David wakes up and all the stuff starts happening. More dynamics start happening because their personalities start shining. I would have loved for that to have happened with Emma. For Emma or even Henry to just wake up after like thinking about plot holes that didn't make sense in this fake memory that they had. I agree. And I also don't, I also was like such a huge fan of how the how the last episode had ended where they have this life they've been there for a year and then all of a sudden Hook shows up at their door does and is no explanation just tries to kiss her to wake her up and he gets kicked out. I wanted a better explanation for why he was there and how he got there as opposed to I just found myself back in Storybrooke and I got this potion to give to you and I was told to give it to you like that is not interesting. That's boring. It's, it feels kind of cheap. Yeah. They could have, what they could have done is not done the flashback to the enchanted forest at all. Just one episode of Emma halfway through hook shows up or whatever. Like we see their life. We see her, we get attached to Walsh or something like, Oh, this is going to be great. We like all this. And it's just like, we have one vial. I, I would have been okay with this. We have one vial to bring back memories I would have liked for one of their brains to have broken the spell and been like, something's not right. I'm having these weird false memories. Something's different. You know, you take the potion or or someone else takes it. Like Emma or Henry takes the potion. The other one comes to on their own, which I would have thought it would be Henry. Like I, I think Henry would have broken through first. Um, I just don't like, you don't even need the potion at all. Like the power of love is the most powerful. True love is the most powerful thing in the show. Not a blue vial of what looks like Drano or Windex. It's just wind. It's Dawn dish soap goes down sludgy. Um, yeah. Like, and it, it could have just been like Henry and Emma's true love, like true love family connection. Would have just been enough to be like, something's not right here. Something's weird. Something doesn't, we don't feel like we fit here. Like, this isn't where we're supposed to be. We're happy, but I'm confused. I would have liked more time doing this before this happened. And I would have liked more time with the Enchanted Forest stuff and how they ended up where they are. Because this all just seemed, I mean... The moment he steps out of the brig, she takes the potion and we all just like slam on the gas to the last 15 minutes of the episode. Wild. And and I'd be remiss if I didn't say I found it kind of weird that the potion was blue because one, we've never seen a blue potion on this show. And also there was very much a Matrix red pill, blue pill situation we had going on with this choice because we basically have Emma during and after drinking the substance basically saying 
I want the blue pill. I want to keep my life with Henry, which is an understandable thing. She's like, I'm afraid of what this will mean. I'd like to keep my life as it is. I have a good life and I'm happy. So yeah, there was a little bit of a, like a, why, oh, why didn't I take the blue pill thing? But I'm like, you did take the blue pill. It's just a little backwards in this situation. Like, why couldn't it have been green? I thought that would have been fun. Yeah, but then it would have seemed like it would have been like a trick. You know what I mean? But add that, add, yeah, let's let's throw that let's throw that in there. Let's let's add a add little some... more mystery because the other mystery of is Walsh a human or a monkey? That also gets resolved right away. See, oh god. So yeah, so so Emma has to like repivot her life quickly and I love that she's just immediately like she gets all her memory and I remember making the comment like to myself to no one else but she drinks the blue potion she has all these rapid fire memories and there are a lot of very vividly colored memories because there's a lot of like purple clouds and lightning and da, 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 da. it's just like it's like dropping acid like it's just like i don't want my memories back but woo what a trip i had a lot of fun visions so she's gonna go and break the news to walsh uh so she takes him to the roof and is basically like, yeah, like, this isn't going to work. I'm sorry. And he's just like, you shouldn't have taken the potion. No. And then they fight. And she hits him with a pipe. And he, But he turns into a monkey. And it's, it, this wasn't as bad because you kind of couldn't see him because it was dark. So this was fine. Like, this and the one that attacks Regina and Snow, not so bad. Because moving fast darkness it's the one that's light. chilling with Zelina in the castle yeah, the one's just so bad uh but yeah fight tries to fight her and emma wins she hits him with a bat and he doesn't hit the ground he uh just kind of poofs away and hook comes running up from the stairwell what was that what was what hook you saw nothing like you were in a stairwell to the roof what did you see um and she's like uh i love how much of a bat like just like a battered savior she is she's like oh, no rest for the savior i guess Da, da, da. Let me get, my, no let me get my, my leather jacket. Like, this is a big moment. <sighs> Again, this was a three-episode-later reveal. This was not a she's not had her memories for the better part of 20 minutes in episode. So the, I also like that she was wearing these big shoulder pads that then the leather jacket was going to effectively ruin, by the way. Like, you can't you can't do that. Abby, can we, can we stop for a second and talk about Emma's clothes in this episode? Because they are fabulous. And I haven't talked about them nearly enough. The, the, like, the mesh black turtleneck thing. It's so sexy. Um, the, the plaid shirt with the ruffles with the skirt and the little boots. I'm like, this is not the Emma that we're used to seeing. This is like a very different style of Emma wardrobe. And I loved it. No, yeah, this is this is Emma who does not have to worry about fighting dragons, evil deadbeat dads. You know, she doesn't have to worry about being mobile and jumping into different wet realms and wearing sensible shoes. She gets to wear fashion. She gets to accentuate her figure and be be a, a bomb mom who has a great time and it's like she's living in this wonderful apartment, wearing these wonderful clothes. Her hair's never looked better. And then it's just like, okay, backstory, Brooke, put on a pair of, still not sensible shoes. They're still heels, but they are not as high anymore. She's lowered herself a little bit. And then she puts on her leather jacket. You never know what the weather's going to be. We're going to Maine. <laughs> and she tells Henry, oh, I'm pulling you out of school last minute for no reason. We're taking this trip out of state for no reason. Here's this strange guy in a weird outfit who's going to yell at you. He's coming with us for no reason. Well, he's the client, quote unquote. Let's go. I I, I feel like Henry season one, well, would I was about to say this Henry might be a little old for that, but he also has the heart of the truest believer. So I think anytime Henry goes along with something, it's because that heart is the gullible believer. Well, I also think, because I thought about this too, and the way that my brain kind of rationalized it was, he was just a genuinely happy kid. Like, season one, Henry was not having a good time. And while the delusions that he wrapped himself up in ended up being 100% true... <laughs> And he got to break a curse. It was still something that he so, uh, got to seek solace in because he was unhappy. He he didn't know what to do and he was looking for answers. This Henry is not looking for answers. He just wants to spend time with his mom and he's having a great time and he likes his life. He has no reason to question anything. 
Emma, adult, an adult with the world on her shoulders, has homeostasis. Her brain is not used to being this happy for this long, so it is unclear on what to do <laughs> because the curse cannot fix brain chemistry, apparently. Uh, so, yeah, I love that Hook just, like, like love that they're bickering. It's my favorite. Like, just short of them start yelling about Pop-Tarts. Just amazing. He's just like, why do you look like this? Why do you look like that? Ugh. Like... And then they head to Storybrooke. Henry is fast asleep in the car. And Emma heads to find her parents. First of all, just to talk about outfit one more time. Emma drove from New York City to Storybrooke in a Beetle that is a stick shift. So she had to be using both feet at all times. Wearing two inch heels. And a skirt. A. And a skirt. A. Dangerous. B. Wildly uncomfortable. (laughs) But C. Fabulous. And D, dangerous. Okay. <laughs> I mean, be- beauty is risky. You, 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 you miss Re- all the yeah. shots you don't take. Exactly. She's like, we we put a lot of... I, sh- the biggest risk you took the entire episode was wearing those damn heels, those those big giant... They had to have been like more than five inches. They had to have been like six or seven inch heels. Like an insane... I'm going to look them, look them up later because I, I have to know about these shoes. I have questions. I want them, but I probably can't afford them. And she heads up to her parents' place. She's not quite sure what's going to happen. She thinks she doesn't know what's happened. Like they're they they could all be thinking that they're bears. Like they don't. She doesn't know what's happening. But lo and behold, their memories are mostly intact, with the exception of three hundred and sixty-five days, uh, just the right amount of time for a pregnancy to become canon. Yay! Yay! Finally, thank God, because Jennifer Goodwin is such a cute. She's so cute when she's. I mean, she's cute all the time, but she's very cute as a pregnant woman. She's very cute as a pregnant person. She looks adorbs. She looks so cute, pregnant, and I love it. And I love her little belly. She's like, hello. Um, I love this, but again, it's just such a weird. I don't even like. I have not read ahead. I'm a bad student. I have not read ahead. But this whole, the end of this episode, I really liked, I liked this episode for the most part. Again, I felt like it was a little too speedy, but I did like the dynamic of it. I had a good time. But the ending of this, the way they did all the reveals and everything, and then the final thing, (laughs) episode ended, I'm like, feel a little cheated. I feel a little not happy about this. So this is the part where I think they kind of waved their hand a little bit, like, Something else was supposed to happen here, and they redid it for reasons unbeknownst to the rest of us. Because this felt like the least strong part of everything. It felt like we did not revise the third act as much as we should have. I have to wonder if they didn't know about, like, if they were gonna, that they were going to use the Wicked Witch. Or they didn't know what the Big Bad was going to be when they wrote and or filmed this. In which case... That <laughs> which case, <laughs> um, they essentially had to keep it very open ended of like we le- like we don't know what happened to us the past year because we legit don't know it hasn't been written yet. Boy, that's true because I don't think they ever referred to it as a flying monkey. No, They're like what was that? I don't know. What's this? I don't know because they were originally <laughs> going to be gargoyles. Yeah, so they never actually specify what they saw or what they were. That's interesting. I think they probably knew that it was going to be the Wicked Witch. I just don't know if they knew to what extent. So they weren't going to drop any hints. They were just going to, like, add hints later. Like, we'll make the smoke whatever color it needs to be. We'll make the Empire State Building whatever color it needs to be in the back shot. Like, or, or you can, know what I mean? Can you imagine if it was originally going to be, like, Frollo or something is the big bad, <laughs> just like bringing religion into the enchanted forest. And then see, the second half of season three gets very wildly anti-Catholic vibes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have mixed feelings about. It. Like, I like what they were trying to do, but they needed more time to do it, and we needed more. We needed more autonomy and agency from Emma in this situation because it was solved with an anti-amnesia potion. And anytime you have to give someone a potion to undo everything you've done to them up until a certain point, 
that's bad storytelling because that's not letting the characters define the narrative or influence the narrative in any way. Like the scene where Walsh turns into a flying monkey would have been way more impactful if Emma hadn't just taken an anti-amnesia potion that made her remember that magic is real. Like imagine if she'd been like, I don't know what's going on. I'm worried, but I believe you and I am willing to see this through. And then boom, she sees a flying monkey and she's like, well, it's real now. Or, oh, here's an idea. So Emma decides she's just going to say no to Walsh. Memory's not intact yet. Like she, she, she still denies Hook. She's like, listen, I don't know what's going on. But I'm not taking whatever's in that vial. Like, still just avoiding it. Like, she doesn't want to do it. She doesn't want to face whatever she knows in her heart. Something's wrong. She doesn't want to do it. So she meets up with Walsh. But Henry is still there. And so she says no. And kind of, like, tries to explain why. And it sounds like she has her memories back. And Walsh freaks out. Turns into a monkey. And is going to harm Henry. And seeing Henry in harm, like, in harm's way triggers all this stuff in her brain to shoot forward of all of the times that she's been concerned about his safety that she has no memory of like sitting at his bedside, just everything with Neverland, the stuff that's fresh in her brain, all this stuff. And then she just wakes up because she sees her child in trouble because true love is the greatest magic of all rainbow push. And that would give so much more to Emma because we've, our journey has been with her realizing who she is as the savior. So why not give her the space to rediscover that in an interesting way? Like, I really like that idea because basically what happens is a man comes in and fixes it. (laughs) Hello. Hello, love. I'm here to save you. Drink this. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Guys, don't drink anything. Oh, strange pirate. I don't care how cute his pectorals are. Don't drink strange things. If you didn't see it, get mixed yourself. At no point does she ask what's in it. Like, What's in it? Oh, well, there's a there's witch's brew. There's a little bit of LSD. Maybe some fentanyl. No, don't drink the fentanyl. Yeah, you have to, te- guys, you need to get a test kit and test all your spells before you drink them to make sure that they are not laced with fentanyl. This is a very, very terrible joke, but a real, real thing you should be doing yeah. if you're experimenting with drugs. Exactly. <laughs> We've PSA from Beth and Abby. PSA from Beth and Abby cloaked in weird fantasy dark dark Um, dark fantasy humor so yeah so we get uh we get the final scene with uh with selena and the terrible cgi monkey with weird like i don't know how to describe the teeth like i remember seeing like vampire art one time with teeth like this so that's the only thing i can kind of put it to of just these like terror monster things like eldritch horror flying monkey (laughs) I mean, they they took inspiration from Neverland and were like, we need to make things just a little bit scarier because then it's adult. It's grown up that way. I li- listen. A, a flying monkey in a vest and a little fez terrifying to me. That movie scared people for years. Like we don't have to make them actual scary. It's a woman with green skin. What are you gonna do? <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, I love this. I do like this reveal. I think it should have come a little bit later. I think I would have loved more setup, even if it got to the point where we're like, okay, we're getting to it. We're getting to the... I think we also probably would have figured out because there were no Wizard of Oz references for like a while. There was At one point, there was like one Wizard of Oz reference an episode, and then it just fully stopped. They had... I remember when they went into the hat, when, when Jefferson took Regina to to wonderland to get her father we saw oz door there was the oz door and then we've had a couple jokes since then but they've mostly been from regina which gave the indication that she might have a connection which we very well know she does but the nature of you know the the nature of that whole dynamic is one that's going to be unpacked over the course of several seasons so we're not even getting into that yet because everyone knows, like, I think they realized that with Cora, they were just like, everyone really likes the dynamic between Cora and Regina, but damn, we killed Cora. I know, give her a sibling. Um, but I also think that that was like previous seasons. And I think I mentioned this when we had our first like uh, Wizard of Oz drop line, where it was like, I think they were just being like, let's tease this out a little bit and see if we can make it happen. 
If not, they're just fun Wizard of Oz references. If if we can get away with it, then we get to put in the Wicked Witch of the West and whatever else we want to add to it. Maybe that's what they were trying to do with Star Wars, too. Let's just pepper in a bunch of Star Wars jokes. And then Darth Vader's the bad guy in season four. Yeah, I mean, I don't know when this meshes up with the uh, acquisition of Lucasfilm. Um, but I also don't think that Once Upon a Time meshed up with the acquisition of the Mar- of Marvel. But could you imagine, like, Thor? Like, they have Greek mythology, because they did Greek mythology with Hercules and stuff. Can you imagine if they just added Norse mythology in there and Thor shows up with his hammer? I, but, like, he's the bad guy. (laughs) But, like, he's the bad guy. Uh, They try to, they they flip everything on its head like it usually, that it always is. Oh, that would have been hysterical. Uh. Well, guys, that was season three, episode 12. New York City Serenade. And quite a serenade it was in that we have the song is over and we're back in Storybrooke immediately. We're never going back there again. No, New York terrible. Look at it in the rearview mirror. Oh. See you later. But of course we have the memories of our Vancouver, New York. And we also have the weird... Okay, so I usually pull up like the Once Upon a Time wiki just to kind of keep tabs, make sure I'm not missing anything when I'm going through my show notes. In the fandom wiki, they have the menu from the restaurant in full written down in the wiki. But not only that, they have the show version and the original one from the restaurant so people can compare and contrast. And it's like in a a table. Like column a and column b this is the weirdest thing i've ever seen who took the time to make this i must know their name beth i i think you you and i would do well to remember that this show was released in a time in which tumblr was in its prime Mm. it and when it when i say tumblr in its prime i have to explain that it's it's just an absolute cesspool of wild fandom nonsense. Like, this is what happened. It was uh, just latching on to weird stuff. I bet if you, the menu thing could be traced to a single Tumblr post from a once upon a time restaurant, like Tumblr. Like, the whole thing is just like a granny's Tumblr page. And they were like, look, these are the menus from this restaurant. You can find better lasagna at granny's. And then Homestuck shows up. Exactly. Like that's just, and then like randomly they'd forget what Tumblr they were on, and then you get like a super who lock brand. Be like, sorry, we blocked the wrong thing. Oncelers. Like what? Oh, the Oncelers. <laughs> oh, the Oncelers. What is air? Um. So I, there's so much stuff that comes out because of Tumblr existing at that time, because fandom in those times was just a chaotic, wild, wild west time that I both miss and never want to relive. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> I have so much information about Doctor Who in my head that will never leave. I will be in a nursing home rambling about the 11th Doctor for the rest of my life. Oh my goodness. Well, in the meantime, as we think nonstop about Doctor Who, Emma, and everybody else, I'm still waiting for that Doctor Who Once Upon a Time crossover, but that's just me. We want to thank all of you for supporting our show, especially our patrons. We've got our, um, we have our baby dragons, our hello dearies, and our snow queens. We've got all the names of our wonderful snow queens in our show notes, but every week I'm going to highlight one of you amazing people. Uh, And this week it's going to be Cecile Jenny. Thank you, Cecile Jenny, for supporting us. And if you want to be a patron, you can subscribe to us and support our show on patreon.com slash OUA timing. You can subscribe to us on Apple Spreaker or wherever you get your podcasts. You can join our Facebook group or the the Once Upon a Time Metaverse. I don't know. Boo. (laughs) At facebook.com slash group slash OUA timing. You can also find us on Twitter. I am personally at Beth Elderkin. I am at just underscore Abby. And we will be back next week with season three, episode 13, Witch Hunt. But which witch will we hunt? 
which one? Which, which? Watch is which? Only which? one way to find out. And a monkey's probably going to be involved. So thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. And Abby, we will see you next week. See you next week. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.